Welcome to the Pactum. I'm Mike Grimes here in the posh Pactum studio with Pat Abendroth. A little alliteration to start us off here on this episode. We're on episode 123, and today we're going to be talking about vocation. Wowza, vocation. I thought we were talking. I showed up today because I thought we were talking about vacation. Vaca- well, we could talk about vacation. You just got back from vacation. I, I'm longing for a vacation. Vacations are so good. I, I'm not really sure what we're going to talk about. Vocation? I thought it was about vacation. Vocation today. Uh, you know what, Mike? Before we get any further talking about vocation, it is an important topic. All Christians have a vocation, right. whether they know it or not. Yep, and we want everyone vocating for the glory of Christ. <laughs> so make sure you stay tuned in. But I, I do have a, not, it's not a letter, a package? a package, and it's addressed to the Pactum, but it came to my home address. So it's oh. someone with some insider knowledge. Some insider have knowledge of your address. So I'm stalking your address. And uh, inside, no return address because it came from Scamazon. And inside it is a rainbow anxiety ring (laughs) so in my hot little hand i have a rainbow anxiety ring and then it says a gift for you didn't want mike grimes to be the only one with a mood ring (laughs) because i too received a package and have on my finger a rainbow anxiety ring. we have amazing listeners who Wanted to support. We're showered with gifts. You know, we, right? Rainbow gifts. We need to know that we know each other's mood levels. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so so now. We, uh, on the Pactum table, I think is what we call this, uh, <laughs> we have the Pactum sofa and the snow globe and a bunch of other paraphernalia. Yes. We, we now are going to have some uh, Pactum rainbow mood rings. Mood rings. Yeah. Because that's just how Pactum listeners roll. The yeah. Pactum verse. Thanks, John. You're yeah, sweet. That's great, Kind John. of you. <laughs> Um, but we, we still, you know, are far short of the Pactum Porsche. Yeah. Hey, we, we'd take those. If, if you need my address for the delivery, <laughs> I'll be glad to give you the address. Indeed. Thank you for listening today. Make sure you give us five stars in all the relevant spots and places. Tell your friends about the Pactum because we have several listeners. We have several listeners and we would love to add to the several. Let's talk about vocating. Vocating. I don't think it's really a word, but since we're talking about it, vocation, I, like I kind of liked it. I have the squiggly red line under the word vocating. <laughs> so what is vocation? Vocation. Well, I mean, just simply you think of Latin for calling, <laughs> right? Latinate it, yeah, for la- calling. La- Latinate for calling. So we all have a calling. Yeah. There is a biblical basis. So Christian vocation finds its biblical, at least its uh, origins in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17, mm. where the Apostle Paul says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has, here's the word, called him. Hmm. So God has called us to certain things in life, to right. certain responsibilities. Uh, and so even though it might seem normal, it might seem ordinary or mundane, sure, yeah. uh, we've all been called, not just in general, but we've been called by God. We have a vocation and that might have to do with being a parent or being a child or yep. being a worker or a pastor. We, we have callings in life. Yes. Right. And it's important that we see uh, that in the Bible, they actually come from God. Hmm. Yeah. So it comes in an interesting context in First Corinthians 7. It's one of those things where it's, you know, don't, don't be too caught up with this world because the greatest thing 
imaginable is knowing Christ and being in Christ. Yeah. Uh, and so, but he does say that our temporary, uh, maybe even somewhat normal stations in life, our, 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 our callings uh, are from God. And I think that was the catalyst to get people really thinking as far as, oh, you know what? Even the ordinary things are actually things from God. Maybe right. we need to have a doctrine of vocation. Sure. Yeah. A doctrine absolutely. of calling. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about the history of vocating? Oh, sure. I mean, vocating has been a thing for <laughs> some time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, until the early 16th century, in the Christian lingo, if you will, uh, the word vocation or calling, it was used mostly for when you're thinking about uh, uh, in the church world or oh, in priestly class. Yeah, priestly type, monks, priests, monks, nuns, nuns, and this divine calling. You know, you think of the call. Uh, to serve yep. the Lord and to work in ministry or priestly class type stuff. So they were like the uh, only ones who had a vocation. Yeah, right. So your vocation is to be called of God to yep. do this work. That makes sense. Uh, of ministry. So, but in the reformers, uh, the word kind of became to shift and be used to describe uh, the work or your job that any uh, and every Christian has. And that kind of elevates that significance of it. Yep, I like it. Uh, and for that, sure. There's a little book by Stephen J. Nichols, friend of the Pactum. Uh, Reformation Bible College, and one of those little P&R booklets, mm -hmm. and it's yeah. What is Vocation? And he says uh, that with the Reformation, a farmer, a parent, a spouse, a child, a laborer, a merchant, a lawyer, all of these do their work unto God and thus fulfill their distinctive calling right. or vocation. Right, yeah. So you do see a shift at the time of the Protestant Reformation. Uh, there is distinction between those who are called to do church ministry and those who are not. Right. But they're not, one's not greater than the other. We're all called by God to do certain things. Every Christian is called to vocate. Yes, we're all to be vocating. <laughs> to, keep, to keep using the word that we made up here on the pactum. That's right. So if we're thinking about vocation uh, and those that are called into the ministry type thing versus just, you, we're saying maybe like an ordinary vocation. Mm -hmm. Good word. How is um, an ordinary vocation still important? Because that's what we're seeing reformers are saying it's not just vocations not just for ministry purpose how is an ordinary vocation still important so i think we can answer that with a few different strands a, diff a few different answers to that question how could an ordinary vocation let's just say uh if you're a stay-at-home mom uh or if you are yeah. a shoe salesperson sure. my, the other day i went shopping for shoes with my wife and the lady that helped us help my wife really was awesome yeah i couldn't believe it that's hard I to find thought, uh -huh. The shoe salespeople can be, it's, ooh. I it, was super impressed. That's great. She knew what she was talking about. So shout out to lady, to the woman at Shields. Hey, there you go. Okay. So <laughs> speaking of, so, so how can these things still be important? Right. Even though they're not, um, you know, preaching the gospel on the Lord's day to the people of God or something like that. Yeah. So let's answer it with three different answers. Let's say, first of all, image of God. Yeah. So mm -hmm. God is a creator and we're made in his image. So there's certain things we do that are like God, it doesn't make us God, but we're image bearers. And so we're called to work like God is called to work. Right. And obviously God is important. <laughs> yes. <laughs> here on the pactum. So here we are imitating God, doing God-like things. That means that, well, you know what? It must be important. Work is important. Yeah. So let's also say it's also important, even though it's ordinary, because when you when you vocate, <laughs> when you do, when you carry out your calling, whether again it's as a parent or a child or at your job or some whatever it is, um, if you're a plumber, if you're an electrician, if you're a firefighter, the list could go on. Sure. Mike. Yes, okay. it could. Long list of vocating. <laughs> so. 
you're loving you're you're loving your neighbor mm. from a Christian perspective. Sure. So yeah. Yeah. Christian theology or a Christian doctrine of vocation, as you're doing the things that you do, you're not doing them for yourself, even though you're earning a living. Uh, you're doing them for other people. Yeah. So right. it's an act of love toward others, and that's really a big deal when it comes to the doctrine of vocation. Right. It makes it meaningful makes it significant, makes it important, because after all, we are talking about the second greatest commandment, right? Yep. loving your neighbor as Love yourself. Your yourself. So yeah. as you're doing the things you do in your vocation, in your calling from God, you're doing it for others, and that means you're loving others, and that brings glory to God. Mike, yeah. that makes it important. That makes it right? important for sure, yeah. Yep. In addition, so another way to answer it, we could say when it comes to what makes it important, even though it seems ordinary. Uh, so if you're flipping burgers yes. or something like that, yep. we're trying to be very inclusive today. Yeah, in fact, we got to think of all the vocates possible. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you, as a Christian, you know God and you know the Lord, you know God truly through the Lord Jesus Christ. So your perspective is different and you've been redeemed yeah, by right. the blood of the lamb. So now whatever you do, you, you keep this, this reality in mind. So you do everything for the glory of God yeah. because you're grateful. So text right. like Colossians three twenty three, yes, yeah. whatever you do, right. F- from that flipping sounds, burgers to changing yeah. diapers, to raking leaves, to building cabinets, whatever it is, uh, or studying, if that's what you're doing at the time, whatever you do work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Hmm. So even though your boss may name, may be named Bob. Sure. Right. Yeah. Or Belinda, <laughs> or someone else whose name starts with a B. <laughs> Whatever you do, you're working as if you're working for the Lord. So that brings it, it, it elevates it. Sure, yes. It's not just, oh, I got to go back to the old grind. Yeah. Or it's not like that 1988 song that you don't know from The Godfathers <laughs> birth, school, work, death. What? <laughs> I, I read the lyrics to that song just this week, and I thought, oh, my goodness. Just <laughs> h- hide the sharp objects. Oh, that sounds um, encouraging. Yeah, it's not that. No. It, it, it actually is encouraging because yes. everything's elevated because we're doing what we do for the glory of God. Yeah, that's great. I mean, thinking of it in those terms helps you see that it's not just mundane, boring old days. Yep. It's honor to the Lord in the way that you work. So as you're listening to this, you have a vocation, you have a calling from God. You may or may not know what it is. We'll get to that in a bit, mm, but yeah. whatever you're doing right now or whatever you need to do for income or given where you are in life, it's it's where you're called, at least for now, by God. And so you want to do it for the glory of God and for the good of other people as an image bearer. Yeah. Uh, and so it keeps it significant no matter what it is, even if you're shoveling the unmentionables from horse stables or something something <laughs> like that. So Martin Luther has some good insight on yeah. this. Mm-hmm. You want to go for it? Yeah, yeah this is from it. Martin Luther. The prince should think, Christ has served me and made everything to follow him. Therefore, I should also serve my neighbor, protect him and everything that belongs to him. That is why God has given me this office, and I have it that I might serve him. That would be a good prince and ruler. When a prince sees his neighbor oppressed, he should think, that concerns me. I must protect and shield my neighbor. Well, the same is true for the shoemaker, it, tailor. He, so, so on the high status, the prince should see himself as beyond a prince, right. loving his neighbor. Right. And so once the purple rain has passed, now let's move on to the sh- someone else, like yeah, the shoemaker. Right. The same is true, Luther says, for the shoemaker, tailor, scribe, or reader. If he is a Christian tailor, he will say, I make these clothes because God has bidden me to do so, so that I can earn a living, so that I can help and serve my neighbor. When a Christian does not serve the other, God is not present. That is not Christian living. I like that. Yeah. Shoemaker, tailor, scribe, or reader. You didn't catch my purple rain reference when we talked I did, about the well, prince. Well, prince, I got it. Okay. <laughs> Now, now that you said, okay, I missed. 
Man, I was Purple trying. Rain. You know, I was, I've heard of that uh, song. Trying. <laughs> I was never the biggest fan, so sorry to offend all Packard listeners who have been big Prince people. Uh, yeah, not a big Prince guy, you know. Okay. Okay. Well, we have that in common. We do. Amazing. There you go. Music commonality between us. We're not big Prince people. Okay, so thinking about vocation, what are some mistakes when we that we make when we're thinking about vocation. Well, they are the mistakes are not legion, but we may have several. We of may them. have several. <laughs> so when you're thinking about vocation, you're thinking about your calling. Some mistakes that you don't want to make, but that are kind of frequent. Yeah. The first one would be uh, people think that somehow the only real calling is church ministry calling. Sure, yeah. we've kind of already addressed that. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. That's like the old school Catholic way of thinking. Yeah. But it probably bleeds over into certain thinking today. Oh, you know, sure. Yeah. If you really want to do something significant. Yeah. Uh, if you're really called by God, then you're I've going been called to do, to do this church ministry. Yeah. When in fact, you, we want to see everything as potentially our calling from God because we can do it for the glory of God. Right. As image bearers for the good of others. Yes. For so sure. mistake number one. It's, it has to be churchly. Uh, mistake number two would be uh, that there's no difference. This is a bit different, mm. that there's no difference between sacred and secular. Sure. So that would be like the opposite extreme. Some people say, well, everything, now that I'm a Christian, everything for the glory of God. And so therefore everything is sacred. Hmm. Uh, there's no such thing as a secular. And I think that's an overreaction, overcorrection, and it is a mistake. What we would want to do is be a little bit more careful and say, everything is equally valid. All callings are equally valid. We should glorify God for all distinct callings. They're all important, but there are differences. Right. Yeah. Dave Van Drunen talks about that in his book, uh, Living in God's Two Kingdoms. He says the work of the ministry is truly a holy vocation. To say that other vocations are secular or common is not an insult to them, but simply to respect proper biblical distinctions. So we're going to mention, we're going to include the book in the show notes at the end. But I, I pulled up David Vanderden's book this week, the book you just referenced, right. looking for some quotes because I remembered he talked about vocation. Yeah. Yep. But I was surprised and, and happily surprised just how great it is on vocation. Yeah. Even yeah. though the book is about something broader, yep. there is a section on vocation. And I think it's excellent. For sure. I think it should be on a reading list if you're going to study the doctrine of calling and vocation. Yeah, we'll be sure to link to that in the show notes. For sure. Another mistake would be uh, that sometimes Christians think, and this is more serious-minded Christians, sometimes when they're, they're big on vocation, which we're happy about, uh, they think that somehow sinners fulfill the cultural mandate hmm. through their vocations. Sure. And what we mean by the cultural mandate would be going back to Genesis when uh, Adam is called to have dominion. Hmm. And so they're to have dominion, uh, to be, you know, as image bearers, to imitate God over the earth. And uh, that's true. Adam was called to have dominion. But we have to remember, it's a mistake to think that somehow now we are as those who are seeking to fulfill our calling are fulfill are fulfilling the cultural mandate. Right. Yeah. That would be wrong because we're not Adam. Yes. We're not Adam or Eve, and uh, what they were what they were supposed to do, what Adam was supposed to do as a representative, was to yes, indeed, have dominion to the point where he would then rest. Sure. Yeah. He would enter into a Sabbath rest right. because he did it. It was done. It was secure, and we know that he didn't, and we know that we can't do what he didn't do. Right. And we know that there's only one who secures ultimate rest. Yes. And that would be the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's only one who did in fact fulfill the cultural mandate and his name is Jesus. Hmm. 
And so we, we don't want to get confused on that or we're going to end up being confused even about the gospel. Sure, yeah. yeah. So what we end up doing is we, we're, we're more careful about it. We say, okay, but we, we keep reading in Genesis and after the flood and with Noah, I should say, the Noahic covenant, if we move into Genesis 6 and around that section off the top of my head, um, we have it restated, the cultural mandate restated. Yes, yeah. Uh, but it's it's different. Um, David Van Drunen would say in another book, a different book, Politics After Christendom, it's refracted. I mm. like that word. Yeah, yeah. And so because it's post-fall, um, it's different. And now that cultural mandate, as it's refracted, is given to the entire human race. It's, sure. It's for everyone, not only for believers, not only – yeah, it's for everyone. So it is different. It's still intact, but it looks a little bit different. Sure. Just remember this if you're confused by now, <laughs> listening to the Pactum. Uh, we have a cultural mandate, um, and it's important. It's under common grace, the Noahic covenant, but it's not the cultural mandate. Mm. So there is a difference. Yeah. Maybe one more error, Mike. Yeah. Maybe we're going to mention there could probably be more, but yeah. one more error when it comes to understanding Christian vocation, Christian calling. And that would be that there is a distinctive, a distinctly Christian way of doing everything. Yes, that I think is maybe more common error than we think sometimes, that people with this calling or vocation as Christians and what they're doing and what God has called them to do with their life, what, how they work and uh, what they do with their life, uh, thinking that because I'm a Christian now, there must be a Christian way to do fill in the blank. So, for example, we think of like Christian plumbers or Christian bus drivers okay. or Christian dietitians. There's only a Christian way to plumb and there's only a Christian way to drive the bus. <laughs> Which would be with Christian w- way to wearing a belt. Right. <laughs> that is the top requirement for Christian it's true. plumbing. true. Maybe there is such a thing as Christian plumbing. <laughs> there are Christians who happen to be plumbers. Okay. This right? is important, right? There, there are, are Christians who are bus drivers. There are Christians who are flipping burgers. There are Christians who are stay-at-home moms and homemakers and what have you. So we want, we want to affirm all of those, those things. Are those are all are good and right and callings that you have. But to say that now that you're a Christian, there is a distinctly Christian way that you must do these things that's that's not it. That's not the case. No. And and we know it's not the case because again, we're under we we share with believer and unbeliever share in our experience this common grace kind of experience under the Noahic covenant. Right. And there's not a distinct Christian way of doing everything other than we do we're supposed to have a good attitude. Sure, yes. We're supposed to yes. bear the fruit of the spirit, having self-control. There are some generalities we're yep. working as unto the Lord, but there's not a specific way of saying, here's the way to do Christian plumbing. Right, yes. Uh, it's not the case. And what ends up happening when people do this, it happens with sports too. I'm sure. There's a distinct way of doing Christian sports. Okay, generally true. Don't lose your cool. Yeah. Don't cuss at the ref. Yeah. Right. right? So, and, and we mean that seriously. There, let no unwholesome word proceed from yes, your mouth. Right. There's all of those things are true, but there's not a distinctly Christian way of being an athlete or right. doing plumbing or something like that. And what ends up happening when people think, Think that there is, and they, they don't see the categories between common grace and redemptive grace. They don't realize we're under the Noahic covenant with unbelievers, yeah. a common grace covenant. What ends up happening is with, without exception, I think it ends up being some kind of legalism. Sure. Because yeah. now the Christian way of doing this is the way I say in my book. Yes. Whereas in Christianity, there's something important and it's called freedom mm. and something else important called wisdom. 
And so uh, just know that Christian vocation is important. Christians have been called to do certain things by God, praise God for that, act like a Christian as you're doing them, but don't commit the mistake of saying, and there is the way, a specific way that we call the way of doing it, and we say it's God's way, when, when in fact that... That, that, that's not the case. Right. Um, yep. There's a lot more freedom than that. So vocation's important. If you do whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Um, but yeah. keep these other things in mind. Sure. So, okay, as we're talking about vocation, you may be listening to this episode and saying, well, what is my vocation? What is my calling? So how does someone figure out his or her calling? How about some guidelines? Maybe yeah. one guideline would be be lawful. And by that, what we mean on mm. the pactum today is uh, it, do, do things that are okay according to God, <laughs> right? Yeah. So anything could be a legitimate calling provided it's lawful. So um, there would be certain things that would be against God's law that would be sinful. And you say, well, you know, I've been called by God to do this. Well, Mm. no, you haven't. No, yeah, right. (laughs) Not not if it's specifically forbidden by God. Right, right. So be lawful. Um, uh, Beyond that, anything could be legitimate provided that God doesn't say you can't do that or it's a violation and you're not doing what God says you must do. So first guiding principle would be if you're trying to figure out your calling from God, your vocation, uh, be, be lawful. Sure. Yeah. Um, we could also say pray, Yeah. pray for wisdom, pray for guidance. God, please make it clear what my calling is. Uh, and now maybe it's already utterly clear, so you don't need to pray. Sure. Maybe you're yep. going to pray because you want a different one, but yep. I'm getting ahead of where we're going <laughs> right, to go. Right, right. Maybe another guiding principle would be think about where you are and be faithful where you are given who you are. Hmm. Yeah. Right? So if you are a dad, guess what? That is your calling. Yes. Now, you may have a, a, a calling, a multidimensional calling. Right, yeah. But you can't just say, well, I'm going to stop being a dad now. Right, yeah, Right. No. So <laughs> be faithful with where, where you are given where you are and who you are. Yeah. So, Or if you're a mom or if you're a child under your parents' leadership or you have a certain job right now, guess what? Um, you, you should be faithful with where you are. Yeah. Um, how does one figure it out? Well, wherever you are, be faithful. That would be part of it. Um, what else would we want to say that if you're married, sure. Part of your calling is being a spouse. spouse yeah. and so you want to be faithful where you are. Right. Uh, if I have, res- I have fin- financial responsibilities. Yep. Yep. So I, I think I need to, to fulfill those and keep those. I can't just say, well, God has called me to something else. Right. Moving yep. on. Don't use that as the crippling thing in your life of, well, I don't know what it is. Yep. But- a big part of it is if you're trying to figure it out, look look at where you are in life. Yeah. And that really is the emphasis of 1 Corinthians 7. Right, yeah. Not that you have to stay there, but the most important thing has to do with being in Christ. And so uh, do a good job with where you are right now. So the first thing we really want to do is, yeah, make sure you're obeying God. Maybe pray for wisdom, but just look at your look at your place in life. Look yeah. at your lot in life. And you're probably going to have a pretty good idea of how, what God has called you to. Sure. Yeah. Now we could also talk about God's providence. So, and I think that's overlapping with being faithful where you are. So what's God doing? What is God providing? Can I do something else because there are financial resources for me to get a better education or for me to move forward because I'm able to move on without violating other commandments from God. Right. Am I being clear enough? Yeah, I think so. It's just, you know, considering uh, what the Lord's doing in your life and where you're at, where he has you, what's your station in life. Do you have resources, responsibilities, things, you know, tied up elsewhere that it would be irresponsible 
uh, to pursue another vocation, yep. uh, to vocate another way, uh, but to see, well, God has certainly called me to be here as a husband and a father and to be working in the job I am. I'm going to do it as unto the Lord to seek to honor him in the way that I'm working and yes. serving that way. That's good. And things might change and it, and might, they be, may change. it might be different based upon your age, Sure, based upon yep. different, uh, the status that you hold in life and your culture. Yeah. Uh, but for me to say right now, you know what? I'm convinced. I prayed about it and God has called me to do X and it would violate, I'd have to quit my right. current position right now. That wouldn't be very responsible. Right. And yeah. I would have to break my relationships that aren't supposed to be broken right now. That yeah. wouldn't be responsible. Yeah. So you've got to think through some of these issues. Yeah. There's some wisdom involved here. That's good. Uh, and seek it so that we're, you know, praying for wisdom in these matters uh, is important. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So Mike, what if, what if I don't like my current calling? Quit. <laughs> 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 There's no, Mike. No, 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 no. There's okay. Mike. I think yeah. he, well, we need to check that mood ring. Uh, I, you know, it's turning all sorts of colors. I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, I must be getting anxious. <laughs> well, if you don't, if you're not uh, liking your current calling, I mean, it, going back to what we were just saying, mm -hmm. you do want to make sure that you are continuing to act responsibly where you are, to yeah. continue, continue to be faithful. Don't where let you go are. and let God. Maybe yeah. hold on and let God. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yeah. we would still say, oh, if you don't like where you are, you can pray. Maybe pray, God yeah. will change your heart. Maybe he won't. But you do want to ask. Yep. Uh, you're a good father who gives every good gift to his children. Right. So yeah. that would be something. Pray for wisdom. Yeah. Uh, we would also say seek wise counsel. Yes. So if yep. you don't really like where you are and you're thinking about doing something different, well, ask other mature people who, sure. who maybe, if they're wise, they're willing to tell you what you maybe didn't want to hear. Yeah, right. Yeah, they might see something that you don't about that kind of change or you know, change in what you're doing with your yep. life, and yep. they can help you through that. And you might want to consider a change. Yeah, that may be. So you don't uh, yep. have to stay locked into where you are, um, but just know it's not the most important thing in the whole world. The most important thing in the whole world is being in Christ. So yes. we yep. don't want to contradict the spirit of 1 Corinthians 7. Yep. And maybe also, if you don't like where you are, um, this is important for everybody. This certainly includes um, your Pactum experts, mm -hmm. um, Mike and Pat, Mike and Pat, Mike and Pat, Pat and Mike. <laughs> I, th I think we're stuck on repeat there. I don't know I what, I was, so. what I was doing. The there. record so skip or something. There was that going on. Just remember that w we, we do live in spiritual Babylon. Hmm. And in spiritual Babylon, which is where we live right now, we are strangers and aliens. We're exiled, according to First Peter, borrowing from the Old Testament. It's never going to feel like Jerusalem. Right. Because guess what, folks? It's not Jerusalem. It's not. So well, you're never going to feel totally at home because you're not totally at home and you won't feel totally at home until you see Christ and you're made like him and not until the consummation, not until you're in the heavenly Jerusalem. Yeah. Then you'll say, oh, this is my ultimate calling. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. I've been called in Christ unto salvation and now he's called me home mm -hmm. and now I'm at peace with everything. Yes. Oh yeah. So yeah. It, it makes sense where we kind of have, we're, we're, we're always feeling somewhat unsettled regardless. Mm, yeah. And so I like what Van Drunen says in his book, Living in God's Two Kingdoms about this because he points us to Ecclesiastes mm, Yeah. and he does a good job in doing that. Um, makes it clear that the things we do in the here and now will, will not endure chapter five, verse 15. And then Dave says, yet in the midst of our transitory workspaces, God grants joy as a gift of his, of his grace. Hmm. 
There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I say, is from the hand of God, for apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? Chapter 2, verses 24 to 25. What gain has the worker from his toil? I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do as to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. That is God's gift to man. Chapter mm. three, nine, twelve, thirteen. So it, it's we God does give us joy, but yes, yet yeah. it is not ultimate joy. It's not ultimately lasting joy. Uh, but there is something good that God has given us to enjoy in this world from our vocation. Right. A certain kind of what do you call it? Tempered fulfillment. Sure, sure. Tempered happiness. But there is a place for it there that we can give God glory for. Yeah. Dave says uh, that God graciously gives joy in the midst of the confines of this world. I think that's helpful to keep that perspective yep. in mind when you're thinking yep. about vocation. Yep. Yeah. So, what uh, role might stewardship play in vocation? Okay. So, stewardship, vocation. Uh, as you're as you're thinking with us about that question, uh, if you have some, if you have a PhD in a certain area, sure, and yet you are, you know, sweeping sidewalks, maybe that's not a very good Probably stewardship. Probably not a good stewardship of your brain power, right? right? So maybe you can do something else with the brain that God has given you because you have a high IQ and you could do something that would benefit more people. Sure. And those people wouldn't otherwise be able to gain benefit from because Mm -hmm. you say, well, you know, I've been called and uh, I'm I'm sweeping the sidewalk for the glory of God. Okay. Well, you know what? If I'm, if my IQ uh, doesn't allow me to have a PhD (laughs) and I'm sweeping sidewalks for the glory of God, you know, don't rob me of it. You, you go do your PhD stuff. Uh, Joking aside, we, it probably is good to think in terms of, okay, how, how has God equipped me? Yeah. Um, Right. Who providentially, who, who are my parents? Uh, what kind of education have I enjoyed? I think there is a place for thinking about stewardship when it comes to these matters. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. We're not, we're not all equally bright. Um, I'll say about myself, (laughs) maybe also when it comes to stewardship, uh, this is a little bit different. Um, okay. So I, I'm a dad, you're a dad. So that's part of our calling. Yes. Part of our vocation. Right. And so there are other things that might come up that we need to necessarily say no to, hmm. because if we say yes to everything that comes our way, we wouldn't be able to be right decent dads, yes, right, um, or husbands, or pastors in a yeah. local congregation, or something like that. And so, I think part of this whole thing is a stewardship issue. We we have to be we have to say this is what this is where God has me. Yeah. So, in other words, let's put it this way: God, this is what God has called me to. And he's called me to do this. Well, that necessarily, I think, means I've got to say no to other things. Mm. And it's a stewardship issue. Because sure. if I don't do the thing God has called me to, but I do all the other stuff, um, then I'm not going to be very good at doing the main thing. That's right. Yeah. Spurgeon says, learn to say no. It will be more use to you than to be able to read Latin. I think that's good. That? That's really good. Learn to say no. And I'm not sure the context he said that in, if it was about this issue or not, but it works here. It does work here. Yeah. Yep. Learn to say no, it's better than reading Latin. Yep. There, I, I do say no as a, in my case, as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor, as a very, very influential podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> we end up saying no to things because we need to, or we won't do, we won't be successful yeah. at the things God has truly called us to. Yes. Right. Yep. That's what we're For saying. Sure. 
Okay, so considering vocation and thinking about... I think about, God is calling me to Hawaii. You know, that could be a thing. <laughs> that could be a thing. <laughs> I was talking to a guy one time, and literally he's like, you want to go to Hawaii? We, 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 want, we want to have missionaries in Hawaii. And I was just like, uh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, it sounded fun. I want to go on va- I've never been to Hawaii. I want sure, to go there yeah. on vacation. Yeah. Um, but because of my calling <laughs> to a local congregation, yep, 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 I yep. said, uh, I'm not actually serious about being your missionary to yeah, Hawaii. That's wild. Anyway. That's wild. So, okay, thinking about vocation and thinking maybe now you know, shifting gears to thinking more of the lines of uh, church and pastoral ministry as a vocation. Uh, some may be even thinking about that uh, or considering that as the Lord's calling in their life. How do how does one determine if you are called to pastoral ministry as a vocation? So let's make sure that we say it's not merely by being biblically and theologically literate. Sure, sure. So we, we, on the Pactum, we think all Christians should be biblically and theologically literate. Yes. And if you're not, you're listening to the right podcast. Yes. And if you are, we're trying to help you to even be more biblically and theologically literate. Right. It's an important matter because sometimes, especially in a culture that is more and more illiterate in those areas, yeah, right. if you know anything, you know, about the Bible and theology, everybody thinks you're supposed to, you know, are you going to be a pastor? Be a pastor? Yeah. Right. Uh, no, I'm just a Christian. Yeah. So let's make sure that that's not it. Yep. yep. Um, then, then let's move on to qualifications. So in the pastoral letters, First Timothy in particular and Titus, yep. there are qualifications. And one of the qualifications is desire. But just because you have the desire doesn't mean doesn't God mean, has called yeah. you to do that. That's right. why you have a local church, a congregation. Yep. Uh, you need to be affirmed. You need to be acknowledged, maybe sent for more training and education. Oh, yes, you do need to be trained. Yep. Um, and so that's important because a lot. I've met lots of people over the years who think maybe God has called them to be a pastor or maybe they're convinced Um but the problem is no one else got that memo. Sure. Yeah. No one else. <laughs> and the people who find them to be boring and the people who can't follow their teaching didn't get that memo. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so if you're truly called by God, in other words, you won't just have a desire. Other people will have a desire to listen. Yes. And, other, right. and more seriously, other people who are called by God will be able to recognize, affirm. It's why you have laying on of hands by those who are more mature, recognizing and seeing it. So it really is important. Uh, so we would encourage you, if you think you're being called to pastoral ministry, you want to be in a good local congregation where there are mature, discerning Christians yep. who can affirm you or not affirm you. Right. And it'll be better that way. Yep. Uh, it will be better that way. I think it was Spurgeon who said in lectures to my students, it's been forever ago since I've read it. Um, but if you're, if you could be happy doing anything else in the whole world, uh, then do that other thing. Mm, Don't yeah. be a pastor if you'll be happy doing anything else. And I think that's good advice. Uh, there are too many casualties, sure. uh, too much heartache, too much heartbreak. And even today you're learning on the Pactum as we're talking about Christian calling, as we're talking about vocation, there are other things you can do. You can do great other great things for the glory of God. You don't need to if you want to be radical. Radical, yeah. Right? Yep. What you don't you could be a radical hamburger flipper. You can. Maybe yes. I mean maybe that could get you, you know, a lot of YouTube likes if yeah, you're you very a well radical could. hamburger yeah. flipper. <laughs> Point being, it's it, you don't have to be a pastor to do something great for Jesus. Right. You don't have to be, uh, you know, pack your bags and go across the ocean to be a missionary in another country to do something great for Jesus. Right. It might actually even be greater in the, for Jesus and harder yes. 
to do basic things basic, well at home. Ordinary things, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So we like pastors. We want to affirm pastors. Yes. We like sending individuals to seminary. We like doing all of those things. We're definitely all about it. But we also know that there are lots of people who go through all of the hardship and all the rigmarole and end up either crashing and burning or not being pastors or figuring out the hard news because Aunt Sally wouldn't, you know, mm. Aunt Sally said you should be a pastor, yep. um, but no one else acknowledged it. It's right. just, it's just too hard. It's too much heartache. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't, you don't have to do that. We're trying to help you. Yeah. So thinking about calling, uh, these things we've been talking about more on the individual level, but what about the church? What is the, what is the church's calling? So that's kind of the obvious one here, but we should, we're including it. Yes. But the, one thing we need to know is the church has been called to do basic things. Yes. Uh, and we're called to do word and sacrament ministry, we might say by way of shorthand, essentially. And by word and sacrament ministry, we're talking about the preaching of the Bible, the preaching of law and gospel, mm-hmm. being clear about what God requires and what God provides. Uh, also, the Lord's Supper, baptism. We're talking about the keys of the kingdom in these things. Sure. We're talking yeah. about discipline, therefore. Also, that is the church's calling. And and so we we want to allow the church to be the church, and then the rest of us let's just let's just say um, the rest of us if we're not called to that kind of ministry, uh, we want to we want to know that God has called us to do all the other things, mm, yeah. and there are so many other important things to do. And so if we know the church is calling, we can then say now individual callings um, can be so vast and so different. Um, and that way we don't try to get the church to do all the other stuff. Right, all the things. Right, yeah. and that way when we're doing the other stuff outside of the church, we're not trying to do all of the church's stuff, if right. you will. Yes. So I'm glad you brought that up. It actually is vital that we know what the church is called to do, and therefore we can not try to do that ourselves. Right. Um, but we can also not have the church try to do what more, let's call them ordinary callings, but they're legitimate callings. Yes. Um, so we don't have to get them confused. Right. Yeah. Because w- when we when the church tries to do everything, it ends up not being very good at doing its calling. Yep. Some, something kind of funny here. Babylon B. Yeah. You see this? <laughs> yeah, I did. It's about this very thing. It is, yeah. Uh, you want, you want, do you want to go for <laughs> sure, it? Sure, sure. Okay, this is a Babylon B article. Uh, local church declares every possible activity a ministry. Okay. <laughs> East Grand Forks, Minnesota. Lakeview First Church of God celebrated a milestone this week as the last possible activity connected with the church was declared a ministry. A beaming pastor, Larry Plame, announced the news to his congregation during Sunday morning worship service. You know, when we started this thing back in 1999, when we said ministry, it meant something totally different. But we wanted to take the limits off God, and we figured the best way to do so is to affirm that God can work through every single possible thing. So if you're interested in serving not only in our praise ministry, senior citizen ministry, children's ministry, youth sports ministry, senior sports ministry, clowning ministry, or pro wrestling ministry, there are sign-up sheets waiting out in the lobby after service. Although the church started with a handful of standard ministry programs, such as their food pantry ministry and nursery ministry, playing noted at a Tuesday morning press conference that the church knew one size wouldn't fit all. We had people interested in doing life by hunting together, the pastor explained to reporters, which is where you got our t- where we got our turkey shoot ministry. Soon after that, we recognized many of our parishioners enjoyed watching pro football after the service on Sunday, so we thought... 
Why not make an NFL watching ministry? After that, things really started happening, and that's when our interpretive dance ministry, experimental drama ministry, dubstep ministry, Pilates ministry, hot yoga ministry, cold yoga ministry, recycling ministry, cycling ministry, and unicycling ministry all got their start. Church members... report that the push to make every possible activity an official church ministry has made serving incredibly convenient. We've got a guy who oversleeps a lot, the church leader said, referring to a man who says he needs more or less who to a man he says has more or less attended Lakeview for the last eight years. So we founded the Sleep Through Church Ministry. And guess what? Now he's serving. <laughs> My mood ring is in quite the mood, I I must say, after that. This is why we need to know what the church's calling is, right? So we have the church is called to do certain things, and you know what? Everyone else is called to do other things. They're all important and significant. But when we start calling everything a ministry, it's probably a sign that things are not good. Yep. Man. <laughs> Even, let's just state this. Evangelicals are drunk on this sort of thing. For sure. Right? We need a return to understanding some basic things about vocation. And if we can understand basic things about vocation, then maybe we don't have to be <laughs> making <laughs> hot and cold yoga hot ministries. Hot and cold yoga. All the, all the different types of ministries. My goodness. So for clarity's sake, so many of those things that were in that article are fine and good things to do. Sure, yeah. But they don't have to be called ministries because they're just things you do in the common grace realm yeah. for the glory of God, um, but we don't have to isolate them and make them something that's for the church. Right, yep. Uh, maybe we'll wrap it up, round it out with some helpful resources that we would recommend to our Pactum Verse listeners here about vocation. Uh, first, we recommend to you uh, some of the resources we mentioned in the episode on Vocation, Living in God's Two Kingdoms by Dave Van Drunen, mm-hmm. uh, but also What is Vocation uh, by Stephen Nichols. We'll make sure to link to that. Uh, also, Ordinary by Michael Horton. I don't remember if he talks about vocation in that book or not. I don't not, know, but... But if he doesn't, he should. And it's helpful and it's certainly for certainly kind of implied there. Yeah, it's a okay. great book, helping you see that there's, there's good in the All right, Mike, right. based upon the look of my uh, special rainbow mood ring... I think it's time to wrap up the episode. So we want to say thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on The Pactum. 